Welcome to the Global River Church Discipleship Teaching of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. So let me pray. Lord, I pray for tonight for the revelation over the next uh, five weeks that um, in order for us to know where we're going, you need to know, show us where we're at and then bring revelation. In, in the book of Amos, you said you don't reveal anything, you don't do anything unless you first reveal it to the prophets. So, Lord, we're asking you to give us revelation on individual direction. Where is the timetable that you've set it, but where are we on the clock? And then we ask for that revelation as best that we can see it. And then where are we going? In order for GPS to work, you've got to put in your destination. So we're asking, you know, we know the, the final destination, but we want to know our part and journey in the process. And so we thank you, Father, for wisdom and direction over the next few weeks, that there'll be dreams and vision. I'm praying an anointing and a revelation. You'll get some downloads, divine appointments, intersection. Uh, there's, there's things that will start to happen. It's the uh, compelling spirit that comes out of the Holy Spirit's direction. Is this commanding scripture that jumps off the page. It's like, Oh, that's for me. And then, Lord, those places where the council of saints, the revelation of the prophetic that comes. And so, Lord, I just pray for a direction that will start to unfold. People will know their place in ministry. They'll know exactly where they're fit in the tribe and where they're to do as far as family and all of the things that are necessary for us to fulfill our plan and purpose in you. We thank you for that tonight in Jesus' name. Well, I, I'm always uh, interested. We, sometimes I know that uh, if you're, how many are, have been in the church less than a year? Just wave at me. Look around. That's, uh, that's awesome. Praise the Lord. Um, I asked Loretta to find some of the newbies and, and maybe do a voluntold. <laughs> I'd like to know, well, how did you get here? That's really good to know. But even better, why did you stay? <laughs> I'd like to, <laughs> be nice to, and Kathy said she would do that, so we're going to give her the mic. Well, when Loretta asked us to do this, my initial response, you'll notice I didn't text you right away, Loretta, was uh, no. But God said, yes, you need to start it, and then other people will follow. We are the Quigleys. This is my husband, David. The man is very patient. We are celebrating our 40th wedding anniversary in December. And this is my gorgeous, newly engaged daughter, Nicole. And my mom, my mom, Kay Albera, some of you have met. She's watching online. And we got here because this is a family. Thank you for doing life with us. And for several months, we were not in our church body because of COVID. And my friend, Charlotte Martin, who I went to church with, um, sings with Agape Tribe. And... Sarah and Sharla and another very nice man, yes, serenaded us on Christmas Day. And I just started crying, saying this is the first church service that we have been in in months. So that is why we're here. We love Sharla. She's got a great voice, and we've come to love so many of you in the short time we've been here. Thank you so much for, for being here for us. We already feel the love. And we stayed. I get 10 minutes, by the way. Pastor Thomas said I get 10 minutes, and I said only 10 seconds. But what I wanted to tell you real quick before we say goodbye is that my husband um, was raised in a Methodist church. 
Um, and when we lived in Houston, I got his permission to go something a little more lively, and he stayed at the Methodist Church. Well, this is the first church where we are both incredibly happy. Even my Methodist man. Did you want to say anything? Uh, I just want to say that probably we didn't make the decision to come here. I think uh, it was made for us. We thought we had found a church home a couple of times before and something happened. What's not particularly important, but uh, I think the hand of God was on us being here. And the first time I came here, uh, my initial reaction was that the love of God is strong in this place. I actually visited Global River with my roommate back in 2011. And I was telling Loretta and the ladies that I thought the church was nuts. <laughs> but I love it now. So please don't, please don't take offense to that. Like, I just wasn't used to... I, I, spiritual maturity, honestly. So thank you for letting us come up here and glory to be to the Father. Yeah, many of you have heard my testimony. I thought you're all nuts too. <laughs> and now I are one. Well, praise the Lord. Um, so we're going to ask, uh, you can see Loretta if you're, if you're new. I'd over the next few weeks, I'd like to have at least uh, a few more sharings of what drew you here and what kept you here. First Corinthians 12 talks about the body, all the body parts, right? And, um, and he actually places you in the body that you're supposed to be in. And um, I think it's real important that you find your tribe, you find your family, right? And you'll know when, um, and I've said this a few times from the pulpit, family's hard, right? There's an expectation. And when I was a younger Christian, we would come to a church and we'd get offended. And then, you know, like those people are supposed to be Christians, right? And uh, you'd either leave or get up. And you've come to find out, I think it was David said, if there was a perfect church, the minute he came in it, I got to get back, it would no longer be perfect. Is that, is that what you told me one time? Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, I, I, it's so, and so the, the point of that is, Family, you got to work some stuff out. And in order not to be a dysfunctional family, you really have to deal with your offenses and your immaturity, try to work it out, come with your... We don't have to be uh, totally in agreement with everything in order to be in unity, right? And one of the things I like about... Just look around. We got all different kinds of colors, shapes, ages, right? I was looking at the staff the other day. I was like, wow. And actually, it was today in staff meeting. Um, we've got a Nigerian pastor from Africa, <laughs> right, <laughs> who the Lord brought here, right? And uh, he grew up in totally different culture. I, we recently did his prayer ministry. He was like, wow, we're so diverse. Then I looked over, and Pastor Willie's from Dominican and grew up in New York, right? His wife is from Puerto Rico. Uh, we've got Nico and Diana who are from Bogota, right? Um, and we got Ginny and I that are from Long Island, <laughs> 
I was actually born at the Marine Corps base, so I was born here. I'm a, I'm a native for four months, I think, right? Anyway, so, and so when you look around, and then Pastor Terry and Jan, yeah, Southern boy, right? Uh, uh, and his, he's, what, the fourth generation pastor or something from, uh, wow. So anyway, you just look at it. So we've come from a lot of different backgrounds. And, and um, I had asked the Lord way back, I said, Lord, give us, Psalm 2 says, give us the nations as our inheritance. And he's done that. In our Spanish church, I think we have 11 different nations that are there. And so we're a very diverse group, which then brings both blessing and challenges, because you all may look at something different than somebody else. So I get it when we, uh, but we're all the same in the Spirit when we are in pursuit of the Holy Spirit. He does a lot of good work in us. So let me um, try to capture what I think the direction of the next five weeks will be. If you look at your handout on the first page, I've just kind of highlighted the 50,000-foot view of the, what I think the five weeks are. First of all, I find out with a lot of us, we may be in different places as trying to understand. Um, I think we're out of handouts. That's the baptism. Uh, let's see here. Yes, 50,000-foot view. All right. Um, so the first part is, where do we think we are on the biblical timetable? That would be really good to know. If we could do our best to, to get into that place, where do you think you are on, on God's clock? And we're going to look at a ton of Scripture. I, you know, I have a tendency to give a lot of Scripture really fast, so take your pen, write it down, make sure what I'm telling you witnesses with you. And if not, come back and talk to me and we'll, we'll wrestle with it. So we want to look at what are the signs telling us right now? Once we can figure that out, once you know where we're at, then we can go from there and then see where it fits in this family. Week two, I want to look at uh, then, but also in context with that, I pulled out the last 15 years of biblical prophecies, the big ones over both North Carolina, actually go back to 1975, and then in 2001, Chuck Pierce, we'll look at those in a few minutes. But then I looked at what are the biblical prophecies that have been spoken over or the prophetic words spoken over Global River Church. And I was getting really psyched the other night because many of them have been fulfilled, and yet many are not yet fulfilled. But when you get multiple prophets over different years saying very similar things, it's like, woohoo. So I'm going to try to get you some of the context of those, and, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what the Lord says about that. So I want to look at both North Carolina and the Global River Church prophetic. We'll see if we get through most of that tonight. Then next week, I'd like to look at, if someone were to say to you, what are the core values of a Spirit-filled church? Because they're different from a denominational church. And I preached a couple of months back on what is the charismatic church. We're an evangelical charismatic church. What does that look like? I'll probably do a handout in a couple of weeks on that to just ground you in that. When I went to the UNCW uh, college student meeting and I was asked the questions, what is an evangelical Pentecostal church look like? Right? And what are the so when you pull that down, what are the core values of that type of spirit-filled church? Because if you're part of this body, if you're not fully operating in that, ask the Lord to help you in the giftings of the Holy Spirit to get there. Because when the revival, it's not a matter now of if, when the revival truly falls as it's been prophesied, what would you do seriously? 
Because there have been people who have seen thousands upon thousands of people on the campus. What if there was no room in the church on a Sunday morning because of the miraculous that was breaking out? Can you think about one of our soldiers came and what if he came and, and a leg grew out? What would happen the next week, right? What would you do in that? How would you react when there's no seat for you? Hello? Right? And so being, um, once we recognize, Lord, I'm, I'm here and I'm available to you, what is my role? Uh, then we can get excited about that. So what's the core values of a Spirit-led light? And then what are the ministry values that sustain us? We're going to talk about that. The power of agreement and the danger of division. You've been around long enough probably to realize if there's division in a family or a business or a church, it'll destroy you. That's why Psalm 133 says, God loves to dwell when brethren come together in unity. It's like the oil that flows down on Aaron's beard, right? So Jesus even said when he was accused of being the prince of demons that um, a house divided can't stand. So we want to look at both the power and uh, if you remember Nico's teaching a couple weeks ago about the three M's, when he pulled that together, it was talking about what are the spirits operating in the church that are trying to destroy it. And then our focus, missions locally. What are our local missions? What are our national missions? And why? How did we get there? And then what can your role be in that? Then what are some of the biblical challenges? And I'm going to hit the rubber on this one. And, um, you know, we're just going to tell the truth. What are some of the things that are happening, laws that are being written that uh, don't line up biblically. We've covered those over time, but I'm going to put them all in one shoebox for us. Um, and then what does it mean to be led by the Holy Spirit? That's probably one of the most distinctive parts of the evangelical church is the Holy Spirit. And if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, come to the water baptism Sunday night, uh, Friday night, and um, we often pray and intercede for that, but we would love you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I'll cover the biblical basis of that. Some of you may have come out of cessationist churches or uh, those that um, don't believe in that. We're going to give you the, the biblical basis of that, and then we're going to pray for that to be imparted. I'm going to have ask some of you to help me with that. And then what would be the cost of revival? In our last one, revival is tremendously messy. You will have lots of opportunity when the broken and the smelly and the addicted and the liars and the cheats come in. Um, Jesus said, I didn't come for the healthy, right? So what if you're the one that has to minister to that? There was a story I heard of a pastor who took a hiatus from his church, grew out his beard and his hair, didn't wash for several weeks, put on the old clothes, and came in somewhat disguised and sat in the back, and everybody moved away from him. And they knew it was his first day back in the sermon. So when it came time, they wondered, well, I wonder where the pastor is. And then he got up. And many of them were embarrassed as to how they had treated him when he walked in. And, and that became the method of his sermon. So um, revival, um, I've, I've touched, I've been in places where it broke out. I've been in the Amazon region in, with Randy Clark when it broke out, Manaus, Brazil, Santarém, and thousands upon thousands, churches that grew to over 50,000 in just a few years, seeing miracles that are absolutely the signs and wonders that verify that the message is true. And so when, when that happens, it's extremely growing pains. And so I think we need to talk about what would happen and how can we be prepared for that. 
All right, so turn to the second page. Uh, what are the signs telling us? We know if you've read any of the, some churches avoid this kind of discussion about the end times because it's scary, and, um, but it, why would you be afraid of what Jesus told us over and over again? So we're going we're gonna to dive in. I'm going to give you lots of scriptures really fast, so just write them down, and you, probably some of this is review, but some it may not be. So we also know, in, if you look at the, the first thing, bullet point one there, is the signs are telling us to keep watch. Are you, this is a good, really good, are you keeping watch? Are you actively watching right now? How do you know? So there's a, Jesus tells us multiple, I didn't add them up, but the multiple times, and when we know from Scripture that when, when there's a reiterating of the same point over and over again, so when you have three of the disciples writing about the end times and the reiteration of those, if you look at I tried in the comparisons of those, I've, I've listed those at the bottom of the page there in number uh, B1, in Matthew 24, Luke 21, and Mark 13. You should become extremely familiar. Take your Bible and write down little, some of you don't like to write in your Bible, but I would suggest you do, I like paper Bibles, by the way, and just call me old-fashioned, whatever you like. But I, there's this point where you can list the signs and then look at the correlation. And when these are red letters and they're multiple times that Jesus said the same thing through three different disciples, there's, an, there's a purpose behind it. He wanted us to get it. So we know from, look at uh, 1A there, the sons of Issachar. We won't turn there to Chronicles, but it, it said this, when David became king over all of Israel, Saul had just been killed. His sons had just been killed. The Philistines came in. Uh, God said, I'm finished with Saul. He has violated my, he's been disobedient, got involved in witchcraft, and God said, I'm sorry I ever made him king, right? And so at that point, David becomes king over all of Israel. Saul's killed, his sons are killed, and instantly there's a download of an anointing of people that start flocking to David. And the kingdom is about to, the kingdom under David is about to be built supernaturally. Go read it in First Chronicles, well, throughout all of Chronicles in first and second. But in this first Chronicles, it deals with you'll see the mighty men start to flock, even though they'd about 400 of them had been with him in the cave of Abdullam when he was hiding out from Saul during the times he tried to kill him. And so, but all of a sudden you see all these skilled warriors, those who were good with the spear, those who were excellent archers. One of the tribal groups that comes is the sons of Issachar. And they, it says specifically in that 1 Chronicles 12, 32 there in 1a, they were specifically men who knew what season it was and what to do in the midst of the season. You know, it's one thing to know what time it is. It's another thing, well, what do I do about the timing? And so that's really important both for your family. It's also important for your business. It's also important for a church. And in the bigger scheme of where we're going as a body of believers. So when we look at that and what season it is, let's jump now into Matthew 24. And I'm just going to highlight. So turn to your Matthew 24. Again, I, I trust this is review for many of you. But Jesus starts out and he says, you remember, he's, he's about, this is just prior to the cross. He's, he's pretty much at the point where he's telling the disciples, 
He's told them several times what's going to happen. And they, they don't have a full understanding of it, obviously. But he then, they're kind of amazed. Remember how many, it took such a long time. If you've ever been to Israel and look at the temple stones and how they got moved without heavy equipment, it's like, good night. And so they, they see all the beauty of the temple and they make this comment, right, that look at how beautiful this. And Jesus makes this prophetic statement that says, not one stone will remain. And they're kind of blown away. They go, well, when will this happen? And you know, it's in 70 A.D., so 70 years after his death, the Roman legions came and completely demolished all of Jerusalem and the temple. And the, the last holdout were at Masada. How many have been to Masada? Right? When you go up there, it's like, wow, an amazing place overlooking the Dead Sea. And they, a thousand Israelis held out there for over a year when the Roman legions built the ramparts to get to them. And, and so... He prophesied that that would happen. The Essenes, who were the writers, wrote the scrolls, and when the Romans were coming, they buried the Dead Sea Scrolls in the caves at Kurum. And we know in 1948, after Israel gathers, becomes the, takes control over Jerusalem in May 14th, uh, not in Jerusalem, over Israel, and then in 1967, during the Six-Day War, and they gather more of the... Um, Anyway, they find these scrolls, and those scrolls validate much of what is in the Old Testament and some of the New Testament. And there's actually uh, the book of the, there's a museum of the book that has all the pieces of that in Israel. It's, it's quite fascinating to see that what was written 2,000 years ago is valid today. <laughs> and so, all right, moving right along. So let's look at this. So Jesus warns them, he says, not one of these stones, of course, he picks up there in verse 3 and says, well, what will be a sign of your turn of coming? When is the end of the world? That would be really good to know. Then he lists, I have counted 15 or 14 or 15 signs that will take place. And they're happening now. They've been happening for, for centuries, but many of them are accelerating, and I want to highlight what those accelerations are. So we know that, one, there's going to be famines and earthquakes, wars, Rumors of wars, we see that in verse 7. What about plagues and famines? My goodness, right? We're in the midst of another lockdown potentially coming, right? Earthquakes, how about the acceleration? Go on Google and ask for what is the acceleration statistically of earthquakes and the, and the magnitude. You know what just happened in Haiti, right? And so what happened in Japan at the, that damaged the Fukushima plant years ago. And so we see this increasing shaking that's going on. And so there's, a, there's an exponential increase of that, which was a sign. But hey, earthquakes have been happening all. Okay, sin will be rampant everywhere. Uh, that might be looking to verse 12, starting to look. And the love of many will grow cold. The acceleration of the hatred that's now in our, in our own country is uh, surprising, I think, at this point. And then the good news will be preached throughout the whole world. Well, when did that happen? You remember TBN and them with the satellites? It's only been a few years that now you can bombard anywhere in the earth and pick up the kingdom. You can, right now we could adjust the radio to a certain frequency and you got Christian radio and music playing every which direction depending on where you're tied into with the right receivers. So that is brand new. So now we also sin. We see that not only is sin rampant, but we also see that the message is. And then it goes on and there's, there's a future projection. We have not seen, at least 
in this generation, many believe that verse 15, where the sacrilegious object that will be standing in the holy place, that's out of the book of Daniel, chapter 9, 27, and reiterated in many of the next ones that are going to come up, we see that there's this great anguish. Is anybody feeling any anguish? <laughs> Look at number 21. There will be great anguish in this time as ever has been before. Not a single person would survive, but it will be shortened for the sake of God's elect. False prophets, lying signs and wonders. There's a point where what would you do or would there be deception if the false prophet and the Antichrist at some point, many believe he's, they're alive right now in the earth because of where we are in the timetable. If the false prophet gives allegiance to the Antichrist and the Antichrist then calls fire from the sky like Elijah, right? How many would be deceived? Or the lying signs and wonders. If you don't know the book, you would be brought into a place of deception, potentially. That's why you have to get the Word in your heart and know it. And so we see that there'll be this lying signs and wonders which will be able to deceive, if possible, even God's very chosen ones. And I warn you about this in advance. Then he talks about false messiahs. But here's a sign that will indicate that the end is coming near. And I want to draw attention to this one. Look at verse the one that talks about the fig tree. There's certainly some key dates, and you need to read the rest of these chapters for yourself, please. But there's, in Scripture, you can look this up, oftentimes, and even in the Jerusalem Post, is Israel is the fig tree. It is, in Scripture, it is referenced, and it says, when you start to see the leafing start to happen on the fig tree, you'll know that summer is near right? And they, they covered it all three. And so this is this place. In, 19, in May 14th of 1948, Israel becomes a nation. The clock starts at that point. Every one of them will tell you, this generation, when you see these signs begin to start, this generation will not pass away. I believe whoever was alive in 1948, that is the last generation, my personal opinion. Because when you start to see these signs take place and the formation of Israel as a state and a nation state, that now, how many years is a, is a generation? People have argued, is it 40? Is it 70? Because three score and 10. Is it 80? Or we know from the Old Testament, the Lord said at the time, He says, no one's going to live more than 120 years. I'm done with that. So you can run your clock however you want to choose to do it. But I believe... We're in, that clock has been set in 1948, and then in 1967, during the Six-Day War, when they captured Jerusalem, the time of the Gentiles at that point has come to a close. That's also here in the Scriptures. So these are key marker points, right? Israel's that point. So we see at those, that's why I believe this thing is accelerating in such a rapid fashion now with sin beginning to abound and all the craziness and hatred and the love of many growing cold and the increase of all the signs. We will, those who have never read this book or haven't taken it, they will be without excuse when you stand before. You, you didn't tell us. Yes, yes, you did. I told you several times that you need to be prepared. And I told you to watch. When you start to see these things, the pain is already there and the birth pains are... 
You need to watch and be ready, be prepared, don't be caught unaware. Over and over again, he tells that throughout the scriptures. So <clears throat> let's just hit some highlights again. Turn with me to Mark 13. And read through and see the correlation between Luke 21 and Matthew 24 on this. Then you'll see again, what are the signs? Don't let anyone mislead you. When these things begin to happen, verse 9, watch out. When they begin to happen, watch out. Now this one is starting to look like, man, I've seen this in other nations, but it's starting to look relevant here. You'll be arrested, beaten, You'll stand trial before governors and kings as my followers. And your opportunity to tell them, for the good news must first be preached in all the nations. Verse 12, children will rebel. Hello. That's also in Paul's letter to Timothy. And everyone will hate you because you're my followers. Starting to see that formation again here in the States. Then he goes on with Daniel's prophecy there of the desecration. Greater anguish, verse 19, unless it was shortened again, the very elect would be deceived. Look at verse 23, watch out, I've warned you about these things ahead of time. Then he goes on, verse 28, the fig tree, learn the lesson of the fig tree. When the branches and its leaves begin to sprout, well, they started sprouting in 1948, and in the same way, when you see all these things taking place, you'll know that the return is very near. It's right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass. That's why I lock it in with the 1948 fig tree. However, no one knows the day or the hour except my father. But you ought to stay alert. Verse 33, stay alert. Keep watch. Verse 35, don't let your fa be found sleeping when he arrives. Watch out for him. And I don't know how many times you can count the watch outs in there, but he's not stuttering, okay? He's trying to make his bride ready, and we want to be a bride ready. Okay, let's turn to um, Luke 21 and look at some of the correlation again. He starts in verse 5, Luke 21, 5. When will this happen? 70 A.D., the signs were fulfilled there that this not one stone will remain. Nation will go to war against nation. Well, that's been happening forever, verse 10. There'll be earthquakes, famines, pestilence, plagues, miraculous signs, terrifying signs in the heavens. This is the first time we're starting to see verification of UFOs. <laughs> you see in all this, even they're now coming out with stuff that's been um, kept under wraps by the government, and I think it's all part of the plot that when the rapture occurs, the disappearance of the church, First Thessalonians, in the twinkling of an eye, the church shall be caught up. I don't know if you're a pre-tribber, mid-tribber, post-tribber. I'm a pan-tribber, right? It's all going to work out, and I just want to be on one of the planes out of here. That's, that's my heart. And so we all know that there'll be this place. What, what would happen if tonight multi-millions of spirit-filled believers disappeared? How would the Antichrist muster the world? Well, one of the theories could, oh, aliens. 
See, we got evidence of it, right? So let's get together all the armies. The, the United Nations needs to form together in one world government the new world order that you've heard over and over again. The new world order needs to get together and formulate against this that's coming because they're coming back, right? So you, again, you can start to see the strategy of the enemy in this. No, they're demons, I believe. Now, there's, I'm not saying there aren't other worlds, but God created them, and it's not going to be the disappearance of aliens taking us out. Wars, rumors of wars, these things will happen. Great persecution, that you'll be betrayed. Your brothers will stand against families, will kill you, thinking they're doing that which is good, verse 16. And you'll be hated as my followers. Stand firm, verse 19. And then, look at verse 20. When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, you'll know that the time of the destruction has arrived. Right now, my rabbi friend sent me this week that pray for us. There's multiple fires around Jerusalem. The smoke is so heavy. A few years ago, the terrorists set fires in the, in the regional areas up in the north. And now, I don't know if this is fires by, set by terrorists, or what, but this is this place where we see. We're, here, we're starting to hear more and more. Even tonight, you've heard multiple times if you've been on the news that Russia and China have formed an alliance to arm Iran. We'll look at one of the prophecies there in Ezekiel. That is an end-time war that is probably very close to the horizon. Nuclear war will occur, and it's probably soon. And so this, I don't want to scare you, but watch out and be prepared. He's going to take care of his bride. And what I tell people in a nuclear war is only hurts for a minute, right? Maybe less. Not even, you know, they, we got stuff that, you know, before you even hit the ground, your eyeballs are mush, right? I, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. I know that's, I don't want to be callous about this because it's, but, but it's coming. And so be prepared. How do you avoid any of that is to be prepared, right? Okay, moving right along. Let's, <clears throat> verse 34, watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing, drunkenness, worries of this life. Hello, I'm going to preach on this this weekend. Don't let the day catch you unaware like a trap. The day will come upon everyone living on the earth. Keep alert at all times. Pray that you might be strong enough to escape that which is coming and the horrors that and you'll be able to stand before the Son of Man. Wow, that's awesome. Take heed for yourself, King James says, lest any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness, cares of this life, so that the day come upon you unaware, that the snare shall come upon all them that dwell on the face. It's a snare. If you've ever seen an animal caught in a snare, they don't know it's there. Boom. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape. I love that. I believe that's another verification of what they're saying about the rapture and the disappearance of the church. All right. I know that's fast, but I just, and, and many of you, that's probably a review, but I, I needed to set the groundwork that we're in this place, and the countdown is in progress. Those who do doomsday clock measurements, have you ever hear these crazy people look at all the risks associated with nuclear war and conflicts? They believe we're one minute to 12. These are the scientists that look about, now, that's, I don't know if that's prophetic or not, but it can happen, right? <clears throat> all right. Let's quickly turn to <clears throat> Timothy, <clears throat> just to reiterate what Timothy was told by Paul 
in 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy 4. Now the Holy Spirit tells us expressly or clearly that in the last times many will turn away from the faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings of demons. They're, they're, they're hypocrites and liars. Their consciences are dead. They'll say it's wrong to be married. Guess what? There are more people living in, out of wedlock today than there are married. That's never happened before. That prophecy has already been being fulfilled. These people are hypocrites and liars. They say it's wrong to be married. It's wrong to eat certain foods. And so he goes on and he warns. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. The dangers of the last days. These are, Paul was, this is his last will and testament. He writes to his spiritual son and he says, I want you to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ, Timothy. I want you to be an approved worker. But I want you to know what's going to take place just before the end. I won't be here. But it says, you should know this, Timothy. The last days, there'll be very difficult times. People will love only themselves, their money, postful, proud, scoffing God, obedient to dis and disobedience, ungrateful, consider nothing sacred. You ever watch some of these things that's on television? They're calling Jesus a homosexual, and it's, it's so perverted. I mean, they're slandered. They have no fear of what God is. It's disgraceful. They'll betray their friends. They'll be cruel and reckless, prideful, love pleasure rather than God. They'd rather be on the golf course Sunday morning than in the house of God. They act religious, but they reject the very power that could make them godly. Again, signs. Let's turn to another encouraging scripture. I promise it's going to get lighter. Okay. Hang my wife is like, oh my God. It's it's okay. Hang in there. Turn to Second Peter. This was just before Peter's executed. He actually tells you in the prior chapters there that I know my time is up. The fulfillment of what Jesus told them that in the, there'll be a day when you will be going in a place that you didn't want to go, and they'll hold you. You remember he's crucified upside down. History says the same day that Paul was beheaded by Nero. The day of the Lord is coming, chapter 3, 2 Peter 3. This is, I don't know any other way to describe this except nuclear war. It may be it's, it's the Lord pouring out things that, you know, multiple uh, explosions in the earth and all sorts of volcanoes. It's possible. But this is my second letter to you. And both I've tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. In other words, I've told you about this a lot before. I want you to remember what the Holy Prophet said long ago when the Lord and His Savior commanded through these apostles. Most importantly, I want you to remi remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come. They will mock the truth. Boy, if that's not happening. They will say what happened to the promise of Jesus coming. Everything's the same, even from creation. They deliberately forget that the heavens were created by the word of his command, brought to earth by, and the water surrounded it. He used the water to destroy the ancient world by a mighty flood. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. And they are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. One day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like one day. The Lord isn't slow concerning this promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake so that everyone has a time to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise. The very elements will, will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything in it will be found to deserve judgment. 
judgment. Since everything found around us is going to be destroyed like this, what kind of holy, godly lives should you be living? Look forward to the day of the Lord's hurrying, to hurrying it along. One day he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in flames. But if we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth that he promised, this is Revelation 21, 22, he promised a world filled with God's righteousness. And so, dear friends, while you're waiting for these things, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives, pure and blameless in his sight. That's protection. Righteousness is protection. Remember, the Lord is patient. And so, okay, let me just finish one more. Turn to Ezekiel 36. In Ezekiel chapter 36, he deals with the future days. And it, this is such, if you really want to get excited, read Ezekiel 36 through like 39, and you will find he talks about a future war, but it starts with, in 36, I mean, this is written 2,500. This is before the nation is formed as, a, as Israel is formed. And he's prophesying a future day when Israel will be reconstituted under one king. They will come together and the cities will be those where they've been scattered. And you know what happened during World War II. And, and before that, after the destruction in 70 A.D., they were scattered. And so we see them in this 36, the restoration of Israel. Your enemies have taunted you, they've mocked you, slandered you. But then he says in verse 19, I have scattered them to many lands to punish them for their evil way they had lived. But when they are scattered among the nations, and I will bring that have brought shame to my holy name, for these are the people of the Lord, but I couldn't keep them safe in his own land, though I was concerned with my holy name. And what does he do? Verse 24, I will gather you from the nations and bring you home again to your own land. I'll put a new heart in you, a new spirit in you. Um, I will repop Look at verse 33. I will repopulate your cities, and the ruined cities will be rebuilt. The former wastelands are now a garden of Eden. If you ever see how Israel has, they're growing things in the desert, right? It's like, Neil even had the prophetic words about what was blossoming in the Dead Sea, Scroll, all that whole area was blossoming. This prophecy, it rained there. And it's like seeds from plants from 2,000 plus years ago. It, it, it's just it fulfilled in the last year. These things have been fulfilled. So it says, uh, I will put my spirit in you. The former wastelands will be populated. Can these dry bones live? Verse, you know, chapter 37. Can they live? Yes, we know they can live. Prophesy to the bones, right? I will put my spirit in them, and they'll rise up. And so, again, these are all prophecies from the prophet who wrote this book way in advance. He says, then he's, look at uh, verse 30, 21. I will gather the people of Israel from among the nations, bring them back to their own land from the places where they have been scattered. I will unify them as one nation on the mountains of Israel. One king will rule over them. No longer will they be divided as two nations or two kingdoms. <clears throat> then, 38, this is the future war. Many believe that this is the formation of nations that are already in alliance. If you go due north of Jerusalem, due north you will find Moscow. Many believe, prophetically, you can search this for yourself, that there is a prophecy here about 
the Russians coming north. They're already in Syria. They're aligned with, with the Syrian uh, alignments there. They have troops there. They have a port there in Syria. <clears throat> so it's already there. They're connecting already with Turkey, Togomar. And so when you see the alignments there, and then you see what's going on in Iran, Iran now, which was Persia, changed their name in 1937 from Persia to Iran. We see this. Look at the Scriptures, verse 8 of 38. A long time from now, ooh, you will be called into action from the distant future and swoop down from on the land of Israel, which will be enjoying peace and recovering from war after the people have returned to the lands of the mountains of Israel. The desolate cities, verse 12, will be filled when they return from the exiles of many nations. <clears throat> verse 15, you will come from your homeland in the distant north and a vast cavalry with mighty army, and you will attack the people of Israel, covering the land like a cloud. Is that paratroopers, helicopter? What is that? This will happen in the distant future. Look at this. This was only possible by BBC, CNN, Fox News. I will bring you against the land as everyone watches, and my holiness will be displayed. Can you imagine the prophet saying, everybody's going to watch this happen? Well, how the heck would that happen worldwide? It wouldn't have until our generation. And so we see this again as another fulfillment. I will bring you against my people, but my, my fury is going to boil over. There will be this terror and quaking in the nation. Your men will turn their swords against each other, verse 21. So this hailstorm and fire, and part of this is that the rabbis tell me, my rabbi friend tells me, this is the Ezekiel War, which is right on the precipice. And Israel has weapons of mass destruction that the Samson bomb, we have from very good reference, if they, they have made this absolutely clear, there will never again be another Holocaust. Never again. And when you read some of the scriptures about the surrounding nations that no longer exist around Israel in the latter days, is this part of that prophetic war that was spoken about the rabbis, I believe, say yes. Look at this, verse 6, chapter 39. I will rain down fire on Magog and his allies, all those who live safely in the coasts. I, I ran past this, but in chapter 38, look at some of the nations listed in verse 5. He says, Gog, I'm your enemy. And he says, Persia, Ethiopia, Libya. Libya is now under Hezbollah. Remember that nation fell, and they're now under complete control of the, of, the, of the Muslim place up there in the north. You got Hamas in the south, in Gaza, and it's always been a mess. And there's thousands upon thousands of missiles targeted towards Israel now, and they're trying to develop the Iron Dome. We got people on live stream, so let me hit, let's use this. Palestinian Authority in Israel, uh, my friends are over there, and Gaza's been trying to get into Hebron. They've been killing people, and the, the Arabs there are killing them. And then, then you take the Palestinians just had their great gathering of, they have a Senate or a Congress or something like that, the Palestinians. And now they voted in mostly Hamas. This time. Hamas controls I think it's 50, right at 50% of all the Palestinian 
head honchos in the government of Palestine are Hamas. Wow. So when we look at division in our country and what's happening and, and now what's happening in Israel, it's a, it's, a, it's a difficult time, and we need to pray for Israel as well as our own nation. All right, moving right along. Where am I at here? Okay, Lord, help me. Okay, um, so I'd like you to look at, there, this is that place in the distant future, and then you see in chapter 39 the destruction. In verse 6 of chapter 30, I'll rain down fire on Gog and Magog, and your allies who live safely in the coasts, they will know that I am the Lord. Hmm. Interesting. So when you look at that and you see the, the restoration of God's people, the end of chapter 39. Interesting to read that. It definitely has not happened yet. That's a prophecy that's not been fulfilled yet, but it certainly has aligned. And when you look at the NATO alliance, when you look at Turkey, Turkey used to be a good partner in NATO. But now, because of what's taken place in that nation, it's taken over by the, a Muslim uh, directional, and they are now more in a line with Russia and what's happening in Syria. So this, the, the alignment's here. Uh, that's my point. Okay, I won't turn this, but you can look in Zechariah. I would encourage you to read chapter 10, 11, 12, 13, and 14 of Zechariah. The prophetic words there about, one, is some extremely... Uh, uh, wonderful information written by the prophet, again, way in advance, talks about the, the tribes that come and they look upon the one whom they have pierced as the only son and talks about the destruction and it also talks about the formation of Israel as a nation and then the restoration in chapter 14. It's, it's amazing. It's powerful when you look at what was told by the prophets well in advance for where we are right now in this timing. Okay. Ah, you okay? I know I'm racing. Maybe that's a review, but I, I thought, look, let's, and it's not, don't let fear grip you on this, right? Let it motivate us to be watchers, right? And remember, the ark of Jesus is the safest place to be, right? Righteousness is a weapon, and so, if you got stuff going on in your life that he's not proud of, deal with it. Get right. <laughs> Turn away from that stuff, right? That's the place of safety. And get your family. Be a witness. If you're not witnessing to your family and they don't know where you stand, it's time to get out and be verbal about it. You don't want them to not be prepared, at least not having heard. All right. Let's take a look at prophecies over North Carolina. Turn to the page there, see. I've given, I've given you copies of this. I think it ought to encourage you because we've been looking at it. Again, um, you've probably heard of that if you've been around here at any length, but maybe not. So I've given you, uh, it was about 15 plus years ago, we started some all-night prayer meetings. And the first night of that prayer meeting, we gathered intercessors from the city. We made a declaration and announcement that we were going to start some all-night prayer meetings because we wanted to see the, a revival breakout in Wilmington, in this region. During that first night of prayer, there were about 200 here. There was probably a dozen pastors and a bunch of intercessors. And uh, all of a sudden, this man comes up and says, Pastor, before you start, um, do you know what you're doing is the fulfillment, I believe, of the Dirk Prince prophecy? I said, what are you talking about? He pulls out this letter. And he says, this is what Derek Prince said in 1975, April 6th, that he was 
in the, a, a multiracial meeting with about 1,200 people in the Deliverance uh, Evangelistic Temple in Jacksonville. And Derek was the speaker there. If you've never heard Derek Prince, go online. Terry likes to listen to him all the time. And uh, go online and listen to some of him. He's in heaven now. But I have found favor with you here in eastern North Carolina. I will personally visit you there. There will be a revival greater than the Great Wales Revival at the turn of the century. And the kings and the leaders will come from the north and south, east and west to study the eastern North Carolina phenomenon. That's not fulfilled yet. The, the kings and queens haven't come yet. Um, but they would come if things start going wonderful here. Okay. Immediately at the end of this thing, a person jumped up and said, I've got something, i got something. And he pulled out Zephaniah 2.6, which is not something that's regularly preached. But it said, the seacoast shall have be dwelling places of cottages for the shepherds and folds and flocks. Which is, okay, so the seacoast and God is going to make shepherds. and Okay. Four months later, is that August 19th? Four months later, they're, they're at the King's Restaurant in Gum Branch, Jacksonville, and they're doing a full gospel businessman fellowship, and they invite this Dr. Woodhouse from the north to come be their guest speaker. And he's kind of having a hard time with God because he asked God for two weeks, what do you want me to share in North Carolina? What do you want me to share? And he, he's, I'm getting, I get Zippo. And he goes, okay, God, I don't know what you want me to do. I'm kind of fed up. But as the plane is banking over North Carolina to land, as he's flying in, he says, I believe they found favor with God here in eastern North Carolina. And he shares that at the Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship. He says, the Lord told me this on the plane. He goes, and he goes, and you know what? I told God I'm just going to preach wherever. And he flips open the Bible, does one of these Bible roulette deals, and he turns to Zephaniah chapter 2, verse 6. At the end of that meeting, they go up to Dr. Woodhouse and says, are you aware that you just did what Dirk Prince did? He goes, No. And so we, we see, again, confirmation here that I believe that's pretty good grounds for um, believing that God wants to do what He said He would do. Well, many, so lots of years later, turn to the next page. Some of you know Chuck Pierce. He's a real lover of Israel. Prophetically, he's in Tennessee, uh, Mississippi, Biloxi, and um, he starts prophesying about North Carolina and South Carolina. He says, I, the Lord, now the Lord, I speak to the Carolinas, and we say, come forth into your plan of destiny. Lord, we say to the stronghold in Charleston. Now, the guys who just came from Kings Mountain, who were here three weeks ago, right, came down and said, you guys at Wilmington are a portal city, and there's something that has to be dealt with here and also in Charleston. There are strongholds in, those, in your city and in Charleston that need to be dealt with. And the, there's 350 Masonic lodges between North Carolina and South Carolina. We've been to almost all of them here in this region, uh, standing against that, visiting, doing communion. So it's interesting that he says this, that he says, Lord, we see North Carolina. Oh, wait, let me back up. It says, Lord, we say to the stronghold in Charleston and to the strongman that is controlling the gate. Boy, these guys exactly from Kings Mountain said the same thing that you have a gateway here. There's a gateway in Charleston that has to be shut down to darkness and reopened for the kingdom. And man, we've been to Emerald Isle with uh, Ellen Day and them and 300 plus believers. We had the Native Americans and African Americans. We had everybody there singing and declaring, open the gate, open the eastern gate, God. And so, again, just fulfilling what we believe is prophetic that we didn't know we were doing. He says, 
Lord, we say to North Carolina, you will be in the forefront of this nation. Hello? For the Lord says creative power and strategies for the transference of wealth is now resting over you. I would say to you, begin to listen carefully, church, for I want to divert into this my way and my plan. I would say to you, I'm even going to draw focus upon you and say that there will be great research capabilities. Guess what? The research triangle and all of what's taking place up there near Raleigh, right? That was before. And there will be a great research capability. I say you will begin to find how the thrones of iniquity are working. There is an ability of knowledge and understanding. The gift of knowledge is now resting upon you. Now the Lord would thank you for what you are about to do in the southeast. And we declare that the joy of the Lord is about to explode because of the anointing as in the days of Midian. The rod of the oppressor will now begin to break and the joy of the Lord will swell across this region in Jesus' name. Let's give him a blessing. Come on. That's a powerful... So that's why I get really excited when I hear things like Jesse Green and her, and her husband Parker. They're, they're saturated global, and they're out in California baptizing many. Then they go to Tennessee. Then they go up to the Locust region last week in North Carolina. And now we're hearing she's buying a, they're buying a house in north of Wilmington. And so what is that? It's just something's up in the region, right? When you start bringing revivalists into the region, it's like, okay. All right, turn the page. So you know, my Papa Jack is in heaven. I went to his memorial service a couple of, Ginny and I did, and Katie, a couple of months ago now. But they were here in May of 27, both Jack and Leif, my brother Leif Hetland and Jack Taylor. They said, we got to come. And we did this conference that was here. And it was like, this is my summary of that conference that took place. It was about just over a year ago, a little over a year ago. And while they were there, it was this place where I've, Jack makes this statement. Remember, he was at a revival that broke out. He was a Baptist pastor. His church grew to over 10,000 or 8,000. And his thing, and he became this Holy Spirit-filled guy. And him and the guys went around all over the earth. It's just incredible. He says, he was here and he goes, I've seen this before. I have, I smell the rain. And I was like, Ooh, what is that? And so, I was driving him back to the hotel. I think it was on after the Saturday night. He's going to preach on Sunday morning. And he had made this statement, get out of his way and stay in his way. I'm like, Papa, I don't know what you're talking about. How, that seems like impossible, right? So I turned to him on the way back, and I said this. I said, um, I need some advice. Um, you said stay out of his way and stay in his way. Papa, this is as clear as mud to me. Can you help me? He goes, um, what, what, what? He just said, yep, it's muddy. Yep. So I went to sleep that night. The next morning, I asked the church, because there was this question, would you at Global River be willing to pay the price of revival? So I put it to the whole church back there last year, and over 90% of the church came forward and says, we're in. The Lord remembers that kind of stuff. Okay, so when we say how difficult it might be and when you're tired and when you're being abused by those who aren't church broke, remember that, right? 
He said, it smells like rain is coming. And then the Derek Prince prophecy, um, as Jack and Leif are getting on the plane to fly out of Wilmington, we get this um, email from the Derek Prince organization that talks about what is the cost of revival. Side by side, I mean, within, they hadn't even left the airspace. And we get this email from, and I hadn't talked to them, and I can't even remember when. So there's this, okay. So we've been embracing these core values of revival and asking the Lord. So what have we been seeing happen? I, I listed a year ago, number five, we see the kingdom men emerging. Well, guess what? Now we see the kingdom women emerging, right? And if you're not in those, I encourage you to turn off your television and get here on Monday nights, right? Um, so there's this place of connecting, these multiracial, multiethnic family rising in the midst and the church taking a stand. We've got to take a stand, right? All right. Turn the last page there. Uh, well, I guess it's not. Yeah, it is the last page. Good. I got three minutes to finish this. Um, but I didn't get to our prophecies, so we'll probably pick that up next week. It was, we were trying to figure out today as a staff, before we started the all-night prayer meetings, so this is like 15, 16 years ago. <clears throat> we think Cherry said he was here like 19 years. I'm, this is my 23rd year. Um, here. And so it was around 16 some odd years ago. We didn't know, first, we didn't, we couldn't spell prophecy. And, uh, and we certainly didn't know much about revival or the cost of revival. And we were, we were going to the nations and we were seeing a lot of stuff. And it was like, wow, God. But we just, just decided, you know what? We want, we read the Old Testament about refuge cities, that there are places of safety that even if you make a mistake, you don't get charged for that murder. You can go to a, the, the counterfeit of that is sanctuary cities, okay, which we, we don't support. I don't support. And so in the refuge cities, there are places of safety where God puts his thumbprint on it and protects them. And so it's kind of, if you like it, it's the city where... Um, Sodom and Gomorrah is being destroyed, and Lot goes to the little village there, and the angels protect that whole region, right? They wanted him out of there, and he says, I can't get there. He says, all right, we'll, we'll cover you right here. And so we decided we need to pray that Wilmington and this, this region, this tri-county, this needs to be a refuge city, a place of safety. So again, we just gathered all this, you know what, we're going to do church in the park. Let's go over to the, it was Humacray Park at the time. We didn't know any of the white racist stuff, and now it's Longleaf Park. We took the high ground right where the playground is there, the big playground, not the splash park, but towards the back there. We set up, we, got, we rented a flatbed truck, we got our worship teams, and we said, come on, we're going to come together, and we're going to make a declaration in the loud, bursting atmosphere that this is a refuge city, and God, you need to come and protect this place. So we spoke it out. We had spoken in three languages. I spoke it in English. Pastor Willie spoke it in Spanish. And we wanted, had one of the staff speak it in German. And we said, we just want everybody to know it. And so this is what we did. And, and I, I believe the Lord, again, heard us in our desire. Lord Jesus Christ is calling all people of every tongue, of every nation, of every race, and of every age to worship Him. Jesus Christ is God over all the nations. He's called us to be united in the Holy Spirit. We are one, all one body. We have the same Spirit. We are called to the same glorious future. Lord, we ask for the nations as our inheritance. Make us a house of God for all nations 
to worship you. Boy, has he fulfilled that one. Maybe there's more. We got, we got 50,000 believers overseas. All right. We give you Wilmington, North Carolina as a city of transformation, a city of refuge to all people. We declare that you and you alone are God on all the earth. And now receive the glory you deserve in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I don't believe it's any mistake when, when uh, Antifa and all the crowds goes and burns down Fayetteville, and yet they expose the same stinking stuff that was going to, excuse me, they, they uncover the plans to burn down Wilmington. And that doesn't happen, okay? I have inside information on that. And so this is this place where we need to stand together as a people believing that God will cover this city that you need enough righteous people. I just had someone come to me and say, this morning in prayer, they're visiting from another state. They said, it's so light here. It's so dark where we are. We got to leave there. We're getting out of there. We got to come where there's light. So Lord, I pray, let's, let's stand and we'll be dismissed this evening. We'll pick up the prophecies next week over the specifics of our church. And you'll get excited, I'm sure. But I just want to pray, Lord, any of those listening by live stream, Lord, I pray, first of all, I bind any fear. We don't have to be afraid. God has not given us a spirit of fear. He's given us power, love, and a sound mind. So, Lord, we know that that does not come from you. So, Lord, we just pray that the Prince of Peace, I'm going to share this Sunday, peace is not the absence of war. It's not the absence of noise. And it's not the absence of chaos. You notice that's all absence of something. Peace is the presence of a person. And his name is Jesus, Prince of Peace. So if you got any angst going on, you get with your Savior and just invite the Holy Spirit to peace, the spirit of truth to reside in us. In the name of Jesus. So, Lord, we thank you right now, Lord, in Jesus' name. We bless what you're doing, Lord. Thank you for telling us in advance what's going to happen so we can be ready and we can be watchful and we can be expectant. And then, Lord, you told us to see what the prophets are doing so that we can understand what is our role in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, worship team.